You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. talking about Curtis Mayfield, Superfly. In the room, I have Rob. Oh, hello. Adam, yeah. Ben, Hi. and John. Hey. Superfly is the third studio album by American soul musician Curtis Mayfield, released on July 11th, 1972 on Curtum Records. And the producer was Curtis Mayfield, and the genre is funk, soul, and black exploitation. And I'll read from the book, Manish Argwal. Chicago native Curtis Mayfield became a fixture on the U.S., Soul scene in 1961, when his vocal harmony group, The Impressions, began the run of evergreen chart hits. He embarked on a solo career in 1970, enlivening dance floors everywhere with a euphoric move on up. The signature sound was lush yet funky, a deftly orchestrated melange of guitar, fluttering strings, majestic bass, and fluid rhythms. The icing on the cake was his silky falsetto, which often gilded searing commentaries about urban America. Superfly was Mayfield's only number one album, a soundtrack to the popular black exploitation film that nearly denounced the very things the movie was in danger of glorifying. The symphonic, minor key, little child running wild paints a foreboding portrait of inner city life. Its dramatic crescendos give way to Pusher Man, built around a mesmerizing bassline spring-loaded with congas. First-person piece of street-level reportage anticipates gangster rap. It was later sampled by Ice-T on his 88 song, I'm Your Pusher. Mayfield never matched this commercial high, though in 1975, There's No Place Like America Today is an overlooked gem. Tragedy struck on August 1999 when he was paralyzed from the neck down after a lighting rig fell on him. Uh, This gentle giant of the 20th century was a master at his craft. What do we think of Superfly? (laughs) I fucking love it. Superfly. Um, I've never seen seen the movie, so I'm... Like, I remember when we did the Shaft uh, one, like, all of the song titles are corresponding with a thing that was happening, like, yeah. in the in the film. Is it the same way with this? Like, does it open with a little child running wild? I also haven't seen it. Is, it is not a one-to-one relationship. I have not seen it of, since, like, 95. Of songs <laughs> to action. Yeah. Fre- Freddy's dead is, in fact, in relationship to Freddy being oh, dead. Oh, Freddy did die. Freddy did die. Okay. He got run over. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've had your chance. I'm assuming that at some point after Freddy dies, there is a junkie chase. Yes. Yes, there is a junkie chase. Yep. Uh, did the so, junkie kill Freddy? I don't Not know. as such. I don't believe. Why are we just retelling the plot? I'm just con- <laughs> I mean, I'm asking the hard questions. <laughs> but, no, like, but Rob's right. When you talk about Shaft, it's a direct one-to-one. It's more of a score. I mean, obviously, I guess. Like chapters say, in a book? Well, Shaft? like when you say score, you're like, okay, well, how are they scoring the film? It, is it musical compositions made to the scene or is it music that embodies the themes? And so here it's music that embodies the themes and sometimes relates directly to a character 
but not so much so that every scene is tracked to a song. Yeah, not, okay. a, not every character has their own soundtrack that they're walking down the street and it's like, oh, this is this Except part. Except for Superfly. I was going to, that was my next question. <laughs> is the song Superfly about a Superfly? You mean like it's like about uh, he is Superfly Brundlefly from like it's like, like, it's like, like Goldblum from yeah, yeah. Goldblum yeah. from the Cronenberg movie <laughs> no, yeah that like, sort of like, like Goldblum from the Cronenberg that's what yeah that's what brought a good start yeah all right we're we're, we're killing this one <laughs> no Superfly is about the character and describing him being incredibly uh, fly fly fabulous so, well dressed rich oh, powerful okay. <laughs> I, I really liked I really liked this record. It, it was uh, I think it's better than when, uh, what Isaac Hayes did with Shaft. Um, I yeah. think it's a it's a much better uh, this, record. Like this period. record has great flow. Everything fits together really well. There's like every song that comes up, you're like, oh yeah, this is a cool one too. There's a lot of great grooves. I mean, it's a groove album for sure. And the Congos are a fun addition to really get you in that kind of you know just chill. Yeah, his re- soundtrack does what not many soundtracks historically have done or been able to do by elevating the source material, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> well, the, 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 Which one? We'll, say well not necessarily the source material, but the, the material of, of the film, the plot of the film, mm-hmm. where it is, you know, either uh, ambiguous, morally ambiguous to, like, the drug dealer uh, uh, anti-hero, or, you know, I haven't seen the film, but that culture... It's like it is Superfly a drug dealer? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Superfly Superfly and, sells cocaine. And the soundtrack, oh. you know, uh, like Curtis Mayfield when he signed on for it, like after he read the script, he was like, Oh, like this movie's like all about drugs and that's not my thing. So he still did the soundtrack, but the soundtrack is a critique on that culture. And so when you're watching the movie, like the 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 characters running around in the film is sending you one message while the soundtrack's sending you yeah. A different complimentary message. Dang, that's, 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 that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I would say that he doesn't judge the characters. He tries to present them in a he human. Just tries, yeah, he's it's like human interest stories, and he he has said as much on interviews, just saying, "Hey, I mean, I, I know what's going on." He lived in Cabrini Green, uh, and he he basically knew what was up, but he's like, "That's not me." But I'm going to present this as almost like a documentary. Like the music's almost like a documentary style where the black exploitation is more over the top and yeah. in, in sort of a, a presenting sort of like, a, I don't know, fantasy. Uh, well, into yeah, that there's world. no there's no fanfare like like the lyrics of the theme to Shaft. Yeah, where it's just like, it, yeah, it's yeah. just up in that mythology. Where as like the Superfly soundtrack is that is a big contrast because yeah. like Shaft, it's always they're telling you how cool he is, and it's like oh, tell, you know, you got the women in the background, the background singers, all telling you how what they think about Shaft, and like it is a really different contrast. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Curtis's delivery too, with that kind of falsetto and that smooth yeah. like breathy haze that he'll throw out there, which I can't really do. Hey, you know, <laughs> there you, go. you know, there's one that's not the good one, but. To have that thrown over these like sultry soul and funk lines yeah. is it's really effective. I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I was reminded of um, what's going on and yeah. it's sort of like a Marvin Gaye uh, attitude throughout. Um, yeah, re-listening into this was really cool. I loved, uh, especially like Little Child Running Wild and yeah. Push, Pusher Man. I mean, the whole thing flows. You're right too. It doesn't it doesn't stretch on too long. 
we thought that the Shaft soundtrack stretched on just a bit long and kind of descended into these different songs. These are definitely like a song structure. Mm -hmm. The instrumental score parts are short and sweet. There's like one per side. They're almost like they're, they're winding up as soon as you start to notice like, oh, this is just kind of like a piece of score. Yeah. Like by then it's like wind, winding down and onto something else. represent the government sort of only kind of came into play in kind of the later 1920s, but it didn't really take off until the early sixties when the yippies, you know, the, the sort of youth political group movement started to use that explicitly to be the government or, or oppressive forces as the man. Okay. Are you talking about a specific track, Rob? Oh, the, the track was No Thing on Me Cocaine Song. And oh, yeah. The question was, who is the man in, in that thing? Because he, it might be the pusher man. He, uh, is the man oh, just the man so, can't get no thing on me? Well, yeah. I mean, is the man just a person with power at that point in time? Or is it specifically like the government or any, the oppressor? Any, to, any forces of oppression, including the government and the pusher man? As to the film in time, the pusher man is not the man. The pusher man is the man who sells you the drugs, who is usually, in many ways, and including in this film, forced to sell the drugs by the man. Oh. So when they're asking who is the man, there is a part of the plot of this film in which they don't know who is the man behind the cocaine. Oh, how the CIA did the crack in the 80s. Yeah. To it's, the it's, not, it's not dissimilar in the plot to this film. Oh. oh so it's, it, it's the man. Yeah, it's the man. The, the man is still the man. The, man yeah, is the still man's the man. been the man and yeah. continues to the, be. The once and future man is God, the man. God, I hate the man. Yeah, there you go, Rob. Now you get it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's the end of my questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Glad we got through that. <laughs> Thank you for telling me the plot to Superfly. You, you, I, I was going to say, you probably could have just watched the movie in the time that it <laughs> to answer the question. It's, I mean, as a movie, it's pretty decent. It's, you know, it's definitely in the exploitation genre, but you get to hear all the songs. Yeah. You know, so. This movie without this soundtrack, would we be talking about it? Absolutely not. No. Uh, we're not talking about, like, Dolomite, right? We're not talking about the human tornado. We could be talking about Dolomite. We could, but they're I not. Think, they're not in the book because they don't have a good soundtrack. Wait, wait, I no, think no. It would have like, a place. I don't mean. I don't mean talking about. I don't mean if Superfly didn't have a soundtrack, would we still be talking about the movie uh, Superfly in this room right now? Today? You in the world, I meant film. Like, like, would it still be like a household name movie. film? I don't believe it. No. Would. I think it's soundtrack based. Like I, another one, I think of that is from the same era as The Harder They Come. I think one of the best soundtracks of all time. And the movie's not very good. Like, it's like, I mean, it's okay, but it's so low budget. It's very slow paced because of the production value being limited. But like, 
the soundtrack is beyond it's unstoppable. Good. Yeah, it's beyond good. It's just like it's the peak of assembled tracks to make a, a soundtrack. Yeah, and not not a household name. Although Shaft yeah. broke the mold, there were some. That's the sort of thing where you get a hit with one, you know, a very similar type of movie, and then the follow up also has a great soundtrack and it sort of put, puts it in. Uh, the public sphere. Yeah. I'd say like Sweet Sweetback's badass song mm-hmm. is not yeah. talked about. Uh, like no one is just going to bring that up in a conversation. Uh, just be based on that. It's it doesn't have like a soundtrack like this. If it had this soundtrack, probably. Hmm. Yeah. So this soundtrack was so successful. So the movie generated four million dollars in profits. The soundtrack generated five million dollars in profits. Wow. Thus making Curtis Mayfield the second most well-paid person involved in the production of that movie to uh, the director, Gordon Parks Jr. That's awesome. Also one of the few soundtracks that outsold the movie. Yeah, that's wild. I think um, there there aren't many others because the movie is that. What about The Bodyguard? Mm. The Bodyguard actually, the soundtrack did not outsell the movie. Okay. And Titanic, the soundtrack did not outsell the movie. Okay. How Um, about uh, The Harder They Come? That one probably did. Probably I did. did. I didn't check Repo it, Man. That <laughs> probably did too. <laughs> but I haven't checked those. Has anyone else seen I wasn't able to find any they... others that were easy to find. I think that it, when you're talking soundtracks, it's impossible to not yeah, separate yeah. them. And I do think that sometimes the song uh, really does change the dynamic of, of the zeitgeist around the production. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Curtis Mayfield in context of what's going on with soul music, with Isaac Hayes, with Like, what's Sly, going on, what's Sly, going on? Sly mm-hmm. and the Family Stone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye. I mean... I think he's right up there. He, he's A-lister. He, I would say he's one of the innovators mm-hmm. yeah. Of, yeah. of this type of soul music. Like what, what, what year was the album Curtis with uh, Move On Up two, on it? Two years earlier, I think. I think yeah, 70s. So cool. Yeah, 69 or 70. Yeah. When Move On Up is... Huge, and then that sort of pioneers that this exact sound of Curtis. Yeah, right. With the the funky Just move on up predate chill falsetto. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, chill falsetto, funky bass lines, and got that sort of like rhythm. The sort of a uh, what do you call that? Breakbeat, sort of like a uh, drumming. It funky. It's funky. That yeah. Chicago funk sound. Yeah, yeah the CTA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Move on up was 1970. Okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Hey, did anyone else uh, first hear the bass line of Superfly in the Beastie Boy song Eggman? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that that's our generation. It is. So the, hearing those sampled, I think I heard P- Pusher Man, Ice-T, mm-hmm. before I actually heard Superfly. Hmm. It's those things you just got to, you know, got to go back line, and dig. That same bass line uh, is, it's Eggman, it's uh, Ready to Die, and it's uh, Nelly, Tilt Your Head Back. Nice. <laughs> Okay, I will tilt my head back. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's you know, a, a good mark of how excellent this soundtrack is, is how many times it's been sampled. It's the Roto Toms, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah those, those Toms <laughs> are... It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never... Okay, so... Have we heard Roto Toms? I've never... As a as a percussionist that loves to play around with Roto Toms every time that they're in Guitar Center, uh, I've, <laughs> I've never before... Which is a lot. <laughs> which is a lot. Like... <laughs> I, I can name on on one stump the amount of times I, I've heard rototoms tastefully used. Yeah, never. That's not because you just get wacky with them. <laughs> yeah, you just get wacky with them. But I, on, this album tastefully uses them twice. Yep, that is some good auxiliary percussion. Yeah, like the the intro to the intro to Superfly uh, with, with that bass line, 
uh, the, the one that's sampled on like Eggman and stuff in the background. It's just tasteful little rototoms. If, if you're not familiar, a, a rototom is basically a, a, a tom-tom drum head on a, on a rim that's just uh, mounted to a stand. And, and you can turn it like a steering wheel. And if you turn it one way, it tightens the tension. It gets higher. If you turn it the other way, it gets lower. So you play it with one hand and turn it with the other, and it just gets really goofy. It's like a slide whistle drum. <laughs> you, you actually turn it while yeah. you're playing it? I had no idea. I thought that you, you, you position, you tune them. You and can then you, do that, oh, okay, but why okay. would you? Oh, I see. <laughs> well, that, the, the dude that's playing this is definitely tuning while he's playing. Oh, yeah. Like, that's how it's getting that sound out okay. of it. It sounds like nothing on me, which we're listening to right now, is winding up. So it'll be in our cans and... In just a second, but yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, I think I think with having the songs the right length too, five minutes, four minutes, they're presented, they're casual. Long enough to get into the groove, but not so long that you're just like falling asleep. Get funky and because that's the thing is you want with with this kind of like slow beat funky stuff. You do want time to kind of just like nestle into the to the vibe. But also, you don't want it to just go on forever. Yeah, there's no... Uh, I guess if we were going to compare this to Shaft, which is inevitable, uh, there's no, like, guitar wailing over top of, you know, True. you know, on the cab ride and things like that. This all feels like it's one cohesive, like, one unit. Yeah. It feels like it all kind of belongs to me. Mayfield here. He learned guitar and tuned it to uh, the black keys on, I, on the I read piano. That today, so yeah, yeah, like it was always like F sharp, open F sharp. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, self-taught. Yeah, he just tuned it to the black keys. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Leaves what Dan Auerbach does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh. How the fuck did a lighting rig fall on? Dude, I don't like, know. What the hell? Get your was, shit together. You 90s. said that, and I seriously like immediately was like, "That can happen." <laughs> like, like, it was in the middle of a show. It was, it was of during a live performance somewhere in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, uh, oh, I didn't write down, but yeah, it was in Brooklyn. It was at a park in Brooklyn. Don't play that park. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ! What up? That is so awful. But then he spent yeah. the next nine years like still writing music and doing. What stuff, are you supposed so. to yeah. do? Like, oh my I god! I probably just would have laid down and, and tried to bite my tongue off line by line. and drown in my own blood. Wow. Yeah, but well, that's it, me, man. Re- reading about how how he recorded those vocals, yeah, yeah just like lying down <sighs> one line at a time. Wow, that is brutal. So, Birch, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what John Bush thought of it. Who's John Bush? 
uh, from All Music. Okay. Praise the albums, lyrical, substance, and sound, calling it a melange of dark, uh, deep dark grooves, trademark, wah-wah guitar, and stinging brass. He's not wrong. No. I think that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's great. Melange. That's, that, that's, that's pretty much what I think. I think <laughs> positive. I'm on the positive. Yeah, I'm on the... It's a good album. I mean, it's got funky stuff. It kind of reminds me of the first uh, It Stand by uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Mm-hmm. It's just got a real good feel. It's got some down tracks. We're listening to one right now of a... Uh, think. 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 Yeah, it's an instrumental. It's real cool. Uh, and then Superfly comes on at the end, which is a surprise because Shaft hits like first out of the gate and then I feel like it's a little downhill yeah, from, down, absolutely. from that song. And they decide to put Superfly at the end. Little Child Run Wild is a great opener. Yeah, it just carries through. It's great. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, absolute positive. And it, it doesn't feel like a soundtrack. It feels like a, a thought-out piece that, that flows together. Like you said, it's uh, I, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think it works really well as a soundtrack, too. But just the fact that it's... The he thought about it as an album in addition to it just having serving the function that it needed for the soundtrack. That's true, and that's I think what makes it really work is that it's it's just a good album on its own. Like if there was no movie, we would still talk about this album. If there was, you know, if the movie didn't have this soundtrack and it was just something a little more score based, we might not be talking about the movie. And I really think that's you know a huge. Testament to the yeah, quality. he could have just invented all the characters on this album and just presented this as an it album. Could be a concept record. Be, yeah, and it would be a great Absolutely. record, and it is a great record. Definitely a positive for me. Yeah, oh, there's those roto toms. Yep, <laughs> it's really cool. What do you think, Ben? Sorry, I'm just racking up. They can't see your your giant grin face. Yeah, this album's this album's a classic. Uh, everything that you guys have said about it, I, I agree with 100%. I'd recommend this to just about anyone and definitely pull it out of a, a box of old records that your friend's about to take the Goodwill, which okay. is how I got my copy. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give it an absolute positive. I had a, a, a big phase in high school where I listened to old funk and uh, watched a bunch of black exploitation movies. <laughs> did you have a fedora? I did not have a fedora. Uh, I did listen to ska, but that is a different statement. <laughs> for another time. Full disclosure. <laughs> Forgive me for my sins. Um, but yeah, no, the, the album is awesome. Uh, I think everybody's said it, that it, it stands alone. You don't have to love the film to love the album. Um, you know, Superfly is an awesome song, but I think everybody agrees, sort of in, in culture overall, that the, the hit off the album is Freddy's Dead, which uh, got... Redone as Kenny's Dead with Master P later in the South Park movie. So don't take that version as what this song is. Listen to this album. uh, Listen to the originals. They're fucking great. So you're saying don't only listen to the soundtrack to the South Park movie for your Curtis Mayfield songs. You should actually listen to some Curtis Mayfield? Exactly. Master P is not Curtis Mayfield, kids. Curtis Mayfield. <laughs> Master Curtis. Master, Master Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> uh, we didn't even talk. Man, we didn't talk about a lot of stuff. Sorry, man. I, was, what, I didn't what, understand what the movie. How, all right. Got what a do we still have? He was an inspiration to a lot of artists, including Jimi Hendrix. The reason Jimi Hendrix played a Fender Stratocaster is because Curtis Mayfield played a 
Fender Stratocaster. Wow. Didn't know that, did you? No. I was not. <laughs> I did not know that. Is he, is he normally lauded for his guitar mm-hmm. skills? Yeah, he's a great guitarist. Yeah. Um, but a better, you know, musician, I guess. The guitar work on this album is very tasty without being showy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't uh, bring up, but a lot of uh, radio stations didn't play him um, in the 60s, uh, 70s with, you know, keep on pushing, people get ready, uh, we're a winner because of his uh, involvement with uh, the Civil Rights Act, and there were riots going on, and so they felt that his uh, music was, you know, controversial at the time. There's a riot going on. Yeah. What's going on? A riot. A riot. There's a riot going on. <laughs> um, that's all. Let's cut off there. All right, next time we'll be talking about <laughs> Slade. Slade. Oh. All right, thanks, y'all. Like a glove. <laughs>